Daddy Podcast. Thank you, my dear patrons, for sponsoring the show. In part two, we will discuss signs of dysregulation, why it matters to understand when your body is dysregulated so that you can reduce the likelihood of impulsive activities, the things that we regret when we're in a high emotional charge state. In the first part, we discussed what is self-regulation. It's our ability to monitor, inhibit, or interrupt impulsive activities. And that requires, first of all, for us to be more self-aware of our thoughts and what's happening in our body so that we can navigate or choose our behaviors more eloquently, let's say, or more practically or more rationally. Most of the problems that people have is because they just are thinking, feeling, and behaving poorly about something, right? And it's one of the mottos I have at New Human Consulting is think brilliant, feel brighter, and do better. Many people struggle with basic emotional intelligence, our ability to identify and manage our own emotions and the emotions of others. This plays a huge impact and role, especially in relationships, whether it's child to parent, you know, parent to child, spouse to spouse, so forth. Why so much conflicts happen between couples, between people, is there's a lack of self-regulation. And without that, you can't come to a relaxed bodily state where you can reframe the meaning or communicate and actually have each other receive the messages. Once our threat response is activated, it's very difficult to connect with somebody because you're just now in ape mode, animal mode, protection mode, danger mode, alert, alert, alert. And we'll do whatever it takes, especially if we have specific sensitivities or triggers or traumas in our past programming to protect ourselves by any means necessary. And this is where a lot of us do the dumb stuff that we typically do when it comes to our loving relationships, our intimate relationships. And everybody that's ever done something stupid, usually when they're in a relaxed, calm bodily state, they recognize it was stupid. Actions of anger are usually the regrets of reflection. And I'd like to add the regrets of reflection and relaxation because when you're relaxed and calm your prefrontal cortex goes back online your reasoning your conscientiousness comes back versus when you're in that state and a lot of us describe it like we're just like in this zombie mode like I don't know what came over me I don't know who I was I don't know who that was and we also can terrify those around us like we don't know who that was you know who was that guy who was that woman that was crazy What's happening for you? It's important for people to also know that any human being that has what you would consider an over-amplified, exaggerated, high-charged reaction to something that really didn't require such a reaction, it's usually because it's a trigger for them. And by that, I mean a sensitive button that we pressed in the person that is associated or paired to very painful or traumatic or harmful encoding in that individual psychology, right? So if someone really just flips out 
when you have a certain comment about a certain subject, let's say, you know, you make comments that indicate you don't want to be with them or you don't want to be around them and they've got abandonment issues from past trauma, they're going to be super sensitive and triggered around subjects of feeling rejected or inadequate or left behind and so forth, right? And so all of us have certain triggers in us based on our past programming and experience in life development. And that's one of the benefits, let's say, of a counseling space is you can actually explore that, map the meaning of your life timeline. What are the events that happened? And more importantly, how did I make meaning of those events? How did I encode those events into my own psychology? And that's what becomes the personality complexes that we later have to confront, especially if we're in work environments or family environments or marital environments or parenting environments. Our, our stuff will come up, whether you like it or not. It'll come up. What happened to you? What happened to you in your past is going to give us clues as to why you have some of the contemporary personality growth areas, let's call them, that you may find confronted today. Marriages are a great place, you know, for this to be revealed. Um, there's a reason why marriage is half your dean. It's not just, it's half your dean because it also helps complete your understanding of yourself. When someone's living with you that much and that intimately, you're going to learn a lot about yourself that you may have never known otherwise. So the next time or any time you happen to do something that you regret later, usually you regret it or realize it was stupid or harmful or hurtful when you're calm again. But the next time you do something that you regret, think about it. What are the patterns or what are the certain triggers or buttons that you have? I know I get very sensitive when somebody comments about A, B, C, D, E, my, I don't know, what I'm wearing, my body. Um, I'm very sensitive when someone asks me if I prayed. I'm very sensitive when somebody doesn't smile back to me or say I love you back to me when I say it. Everybody has their triggers. And the first thing we always want to do when we notice our body gets aroused or triggered is calm the body get back to a relaxed bodily state taking those 10 20 deep breaths making will do taking a walk essentially it's energy that's being charged in your body and that energy wants to come out and if we don't know when that charge is happening and we just let it happen this is when we do a lot of the stupid regretful things that we wished we didn't do Later, once we're relaxed and in a, in a calmer state, and we're thinking more rationally, and then we're able to go apologize and explain ourselves and try to commit to not doing it again. But if we just ignore the fact that we may have patterns or triggers in us, then how will we be able to interrupt, inhibit, or identify them into the future? And this is a crucial part of that self-regulation is recognizing it's not always the event out there that's causing the charge or my reaction, but it's how I perceive it and why. And as I learn to resist these impulsive behaviors and make decisions that align with my values and my rationale, 
I'm going to become a better person and have better relationships. That's the bottom line. A great example for those parents out there, how many of us have felt just so done with a kid who won't stop crying or who won't listen, and we just get so frustrated and stressed, and then we lose our cool, and then we release more negative energy or anger and frustration in the air, and then they only break down more. They never get calmer when you get angry or yell or get upset. It doesn't work. Trust me, I've tried it. It always works when you take five, ten deep breaths, you go into your bedroom, and then come back and try to re-engage the kid, help them regulate, tell them to take deep breaths, rub their back, give them a hug. Giving them that physical sensory touch also helps them get back into their body and not be stuck in their mind that mommy doesn't like me or dad hates me or I'm a bad kid or whatever a kid may think or feel. You help them regulate. And when they get calm, they're able to then be more reasonable with you, no matter what the age. If you get more angry or more avoidant or more cold or more mean with them because you think that's what's going to fix it because speaking calmly before didn't work, that's actually not how it goes. You have to remain calm. If you remain calm, the child has a higher likelihood of becoming calm and reflecting your energy that you're modeling. Same with your spouse or a family member that you might be arguing with or having difficulties with in communication. So if I know that something's happening in my body and I use my body to bring that relaxed, calmer state back into presence, only then can I cognitively, rationally communicate it better or be able to reason better with the other person who upset me. Most of us think that I'm going to yell it out, or once we're angry and upset with a person, screaming is going to make things, you know, improve, but it doesn't. It just makes things worse. So this is where self-regulation in a practical reality has to come in. This is what patience means, right? And someone says, wow, you're so patient. You didn't yell. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. It's like, you know... Usually it's just self-regulation, taking deep breaths, calming down, recognizing what the other person's going through. You know, your spouse has had a very long day, you know, and they're stressed and they're yelling at you for not doing something. If you have a big ego, you're just going to start yelling at them and telling them, who do you think you are? And I'm this. And It's like, well, let me empathize for a second here. What's going on for them? Where is this really coming from? Why am I taking it so personally? And most of the time, the other person, when they see you doing this, for example, instead of biting back, you say, hey, what's going on for you? How was your day? Are you doing okay? Let's take some deep breaths. They'll calm down and then they'll go, I'm really sorry. I just I haven't slept. And this is uh, my boss was driving me crazy. The kids were driving me crazy, whatever it is. But once they get into a calmer, relaxed bodily state, they can be rational, cognitive again. Use that cognitive faculty. You know, your prefrontal cortex goes offline when you go into ape mode, right? Crazy mode. So if we see that happening with others or ourselves, just remind them to take some deep breaths. And people have said, oh, it doesn't work, man. It's like, no, it works. You're just not working at it. You know, taking two deep breaths isn't enough. 
And if it's something you've never done before, it's something you're going to have to practice, maybe for years. But wouldn't you rather have the rest of your life be more intentional and rational than impulsive and reactive? The answer should be yes. And if that's the case, then you got to commit to it. You know, and I've seen it. We've all seen it. We've all seen that person just go ape. You know, someone's just... <laughs> If any of you have ever taken like a self-defense class, a martial arts class, you know, and someone puts a gun to your head, what's, what's the first thing everyone always tells you? You have to do your best to stay calm, even in a life-threatening situation. And then you want to try to help the other guy or person who's got the gun to your head also stay calm. This is why you always see that, hey man, just... Just calm down, bro. Put the gun down. Take some deep breaths. Because if I am agitated and fidgety, I could make that other person more agitated and fidgety. And then they may slip in the finger and boom, it's over. So you actually the smartest thing you can ever do in a threatened or dangerous, hurtful zone, whether it's in a relationship or someone's trying to take your wallet, is stay calm. Because you don't want to get hurt. You don't want them to do anything impulsive, and you don't want to do anything impulsive. That's, that's the rule. This is how important it is to learn how to take deep breaths and master self-regulation. You know? You got to breathe, and eventually it gets slower and slower and calmer. Because when you send oxygen to the brain and your nervous system... You're telling your sympathetic nervous system that, hey, I'm not in danger. I'm not in threat. It's just how I perceived it. I'm sending ox oxygen to the brain and to throughout the body and the blood vessels. And you can calm down now. Because the sympathetic nervous system in all of us does exactly what it says it does. It sympathizes with you. If you're in danger or there's some alert, it's going to turn on the sirens Get that adrenaline up, that heart rate up, that heat in your body up, the sweat. You're ready for fight, flight. That's what it is. These small stressors and frustrators and losing our cool and yelling and screaming on a daily basis with people, these things happen because of that fight or flight response. Someone's not listening to me. Someone's making me feel inadequate or insecure someone's not loving me someone's ignoring me someone's not giving me attention all of that can activate this because essentially fight or flight comes from a perception of harm danger what's wrong with me is something going to happen to me why aren't they treating me with respect all of these are just forms of the same thing so step one becoming more self-aware Recognizing your thoughts and what's happening in your body. Step two, as I learn more about this in myself, I can identify patterns of triggers or times where my, flight, my fight and flight response may be activated. And when it does, by the way, all of us have this and there's nothing wrong with having this, but when it does get activated, because there's a reason why it gets activated, so that you can improve your survival and avoid harm and danger. 
But the reality is harm and danger can happen in the kitchen when you're arguing with your spouse. Or if you're feeling like your child is not listening to you and they could put themselves in harm's way. You could lose your cool. The issue is about recognizing when it can become destructive. When it can damage your relationships, your productivity, your ability to be patient and so forth. Because being stressed all the time is really bad for the cells in your body. Really bad for your decision making. And not a great thing for your personal growth. So when you notice these signs of dysregulation, i.e. your sympathetic nervous system's on, muscles tense up, your heart rate goes up, temperature rises, you're raising your voice, you're starting to... This is when you know you're triggered. If I know I'm triggered, best thing I can do is, if I'm getting in heat, you know, the heat meter, going from green to yellow to orange to dark orange to red to fire red, is to learn how to interrupt that as much as possible. Catching yourself that you're about to say something or, or start yelling or do something that you know you'll regret. And if you do still do those things, which we all will from time to time, at minimum, ponder it once you're in a relaxed bodily state and ask yourself, what was going on there? What was happening in my body? And you'll only come to real meaning or clarity if you're in a relaxed bodily state afterwards right this is why most of us when we're calm and relaxed we realize the stupid stuff we've done when we weren't when muscle tension constriction happens in the body is a sign your heart rate goes up surface skin temperature rises respiration rates rise like you're breathing you start to feel things like anxiety or you're perceiving harm and threat all of this indicates your sympathetic energy is rising and this activates that threat response and this increases the likelihood of compulsive action aggression and avoidance and stupidity ultimately why are we so stupid because your prefrontal cortex is offline when you're in a threat response it's your animal ape mode the amygdala's on man and it's all about animal survival. Forget about higher intellect and virtue and philosophy and all that. No, no, no. It's just beast to beast. So how do we self-regulate? Well, for one, that self-awareness portion is learning how to become more mindful of what we're actually thinking on a daily basis. What are the thoughts that we observe streaming past our inner screen getting a sense of this your own biofeedback how are you feeling in your body in the, those moments when you're triggered what's happening there what where's the tension in my body why do I feel tightness why am I getting a heart rate increase why do I start breathing faster and by taking deep breaths you increase that oxygen you're letting your body know Hey, because nobody, for example, if a, if a dog's chasing you down the street, it's very hard to have 
a relaxed bodily state because you're running and you're breathing very quickly because you're in that threat response, right? I need to jump this fence. I need to run away. This dog might bite me. It might have rabies. I may have a fear of dogs already, whatever it is. So you're not in a relaxed bodily state. It's only once you get into the house safely and you calm down, you get in the couch and you say, oh my God, someone's got to do something about that neighbor's dog. I got to do a complaint. Something, you know, and you can start bringing, coming back to your own clarity and rationale. So taking the deep breaths, finding the, release, the constriction in your body, stretching out your body, moving around, doing jumping jacks, push-ups, taking a walk, all of that helps emit the energy especially if you're experiencing a threat response in presence of another person and you don't want to take that energy out in a harmful, wrongful way towards this person. And once you're calm, you can then get into self-talk or communication with the person that caused this trigger. From there, you can reframe meaning and reintegrate perceptions and how you encode things. Well. That's not what I meant, sweetie. That's really not what, what I meant to say. This is what was going on for me. And now that the other person's calm, it's like they can actually receive that message and that meaning and reframe their own perceptions of you or their own constructs around what they think is happening when you act or say a certain thing. That's how it goes. <sighs> Been taking a lot of deep breaths. So let's all take 10 deep breaths right now and uh, relax. Practice while you're praying. Do it when you're driving to work in traffic. Take deep breaths when you're trying to get the kids ready for school. It's always a stressful time for us, right? Parents, when a kid's not finishing their dinner, avoid the yelling and the screaming. Avoid the impulsivity. And don't avoid people when they piss you off. Just recognize that you are pissed off. Go regulate and come back. When it comes to couples, there's often people who, there's always that person who like, we've got to sort this out right now. And I say, look, that's just you pulling somebody into a fire. If you're already, threat response is already on, you've already activated theirs, Trying to force them to make things better while you're both angry or upset is not going to work. Take five or ten minutes and agree to come back to discuss it once you're both in a relaxed bodily state. I had a couple that was so volatile they would fight. And every time they would fight it would just, you know, boom, go into a hundred, right? Very quickly, just fire and anger and mean things and and as they learned how to be more how to self-regulate to recognize those triggers they were able to actually resolve conflicts in a better way in a rational way and the more you do that with time the more you condition the the patterns of the relationship and you don't fight as often about the same silly things because you've actually learned how to reframe the meaning and take in proper new programming or encoding of the ideas that you had before when you would get triggered and just fight and make each other upset and then not talk for three days and then pretend like nothing happened and then three days later you're having another huge fight and then it's what's wrong with us and we're messed up and you don't love me and 
I'm never going to stay with you. I don't want to be with you, right? No, it's just learn how to self-regulate more. And that starts with self-awareness. Self-awareness includes being more mindful of your thoughts and your body sensations, which will help you identify triggers and patterns around the times when you go ape. When that happens, the first goal is not to talk it out, it's to go and try to get calm, get back into a relaxed bodily state, take a hundred deep breaths, move around, do some jumping jacks, get that energy out. Within 10-15 minutes, you'll both be calm, you'll be calm, and then you can reason through whatever just happened and reconcile or resolve any conflicts you may have had, inshallah. But it takes practice. You have to keep trying. Trying something means you do it at least 30, 40 times, not once, not twice, not even three times. Thank you all for tuning in today. Special warm thanks to my patrons. Please visit patreon.com slash coffee with Kareem to help us keep this show going. Visit noorhumanconsulting.com if you'd like personal or relationship support. The links are in every description of every show. Coffee Recording Podcast.